0: All right. I will say good morning. Good morning. Let us begin. Begin by thanking our sponsors for this morning's shared. Thank our Talmud Torah sponsors for the month of ER. Steve and Terry Zinn for dedicating all the and Drushos this month in honor of their grandson Matan Shmuel Aaron. May he grow in merit Hashem to be an incredible Ben Torah. Ameve esim shanim tovos. Our day of learning sponsors Ilan and Elise Roth for a full Shlomo for a Bas from Riva. We hope that in the merit of our Torah, Kol Cholei Israel. Will have a complete and enduring Rafua. So with that, let us begin today's daf is Mem Gimel forty three, a really incredible daf ahead of us today. We are picking up on Mem Beis Amud Beis forty two B, and we are picking up in Yeretz Hashem seventeen lines up from the bottom. So as we actually read this line yesterday, Amrav Yitzchak Bnei Haneshuka VeYiplu So as you remember again, we see that in the story of David and Goliath. Is this dramatic reunion between the sisters? Right, we read on Shavuos in the opening of Megillahs Rus, the dramatic departure. Right, remember again, Arpa goes away. Arpa goes back to Moab. Ultimately, Rus clings on to clings on to Naomi, and ultimately, two sisters, Rus and Arpa, end up going their own way. But again, their grandsons meet again on the battlefield. double <coughs> the grandson of Rus, Goliath, the grandson, Goliath, the grandson of Arpa. Ultimately, the families being reunited, albeit in these tragic circumstances, because of the four tears that Arpa shed when she had to take leave of Naomi in the beginning of Seferos. Four great, four great and valiant men descended from her. Emar. So that's the about the crying. So we'll say, so here the, the Navi's talking about the size of Goliath's spear. Just again, just to give you like, like the sheer enormity of the man, the Navi describes in great detail the dimensions of his spear. So it says, So literally means like the shaft of his spear. We'll have a play on words. Chaitz is like Chatsi. The Navi can't even, only describes half of the great strength and valiance of this warrior. Mikan she'asho And here's the fact that the Navi does not detail the full degree of Goliath's strength and valor indicates thus that in general, it's not appropriate to speak about the redeeming qualities or the praise of the wicked. I have alo liftaf be'klau, so don't say it at all. No, the Nabi wants to go into some detail about the greatness of Goliath, why? Because it's through the greatness or the strength of Goliath that you come to see the valor of David. That David was willing to step forward, and David was willing to go ahead and engage in this battle... Even though he was clearly outsized by this valiant warrior, yet again he was willing to engage. You you begin to see this theme. We saw it by Nachshon Ben Aminadav. Now we see it by Davin Amalek that one of the qualities which makes great people great is is, is a willingness to put themselves on the line to accomplish a particularly needed task even if it's not initially clear how that task is going to be accomplished. So, right, so Nachshon says we have to go, we have to go into Israel. I, What's the plan? I don't know what the plan is. But what I do know is we need to get this done. Right? Similar idea, similar idea, you have Davran understanding that I have to fight Goliath. How am I going to fight Goliath? What am I going to do to fight Goliath? That I don't know. But all I know is that somehow, some way, this initiative has to get done. Incredible use. So, the goes So again, the Mishnah is talking about the Mishnah contrasting. The Mishnah contrasting. Ultimately, again, different types of warriors. So for example, Amon came with Shovach. Ksiv Shovach, Ksiv Calls him Shovach, but also calls Shofach. So which name is it? Ravu Shmoh, Shofach Shmo. One says no, his name was Shofach. Shovach. So why did he call him Shovach? he was built like a dove coat. Literally again he was built like a dove coat. The Khad Amar Shovakh Shmo. His name was Shovach. Vladamikh So I was his name called Shovach. Shaqalara Uso Shovach Lefanov Kikito. Because ultimately again Shovach, this this warrior of Ammon was so strong that literally just seeing him made you scared. And how did that fear manifest itself? You would lose control of your bowels, right? You would literally just go ahead and empty yourself. literally the waste would just pour out. person would lose control of their bowels out of fear. So the goes right there. Now we're switching gears a little bit. Rashi points out over here, Ashpaso literally means his garbage heap was like an open grave. So Rashi writes over here, we're no longer talking about Shofach or, or Goliath, rather this is talking about the soldiers of Netzar. Rashi says, mm-hmm. "Fine, soldiers of, of, of Nevuchadnetzar." To which the Gemara says, "Kulam giborim. They were all strong. what does say? What does that mean? The garbage heap was like an open, it was like an open grave. What does this mean? One says the soldiers of Nevuchadnetzar were so strong. That with one arrow, with one arrow, they felled heaps and heaps of bodies. they say that's only the special forces soldiers. Tamulama Kulam Giborim. They all had this skill. Others say, it's interesting, that when the soldiers of relieved themselves, they would go ahead and leave behind piles and piles of excrement. Okay, it's not a usual type of praise, but the Gemara says, B'Shem <laughs> HaTomar, listen to this, Heim. I say something about, well, maybe they, they just have like some type of stomach issue. In other words, why, why, why does this, why is this representative of some type of gvuro? T'amu Kulam Giborim. Ultimately, they were strong. So i say, the idea seems to be, they were strong, big people ingested a lot of food in order to be able to keep up their strength and therefore, again, excreted a tremendous amount as well. Amra, Mari, so I'll say just a side note. Shmami minah, zivley, So what do you see from here? That in general, if a person does move their bowels often, if a person does excrete very often, that is usually a sign of some type of stomach issue. To which they merse, la the so what does it matter? Litrach Minafshe. So I say, what is it, Rashi says, It means, ultimately, seek out a remedy. Seek out a remedy. So in other words, if a person is, is constantly relieving themselves, it might be indicative that something is going on with their stomach or whatever, some other part of the body. And therefore, go find the remedy. I will say, by the way, there's an incredible Moser in, in that phase. Listen, listen to what the Gemara is saying. Person excretes a lot as a sign as a sign of holy. Someone says, "Okay," and th- and therefore what? And therefore what? And the answer is, go fix it, go fix it. See, I will say, when a person sees that they have a problem in life, very often we encounter problems, whether it's situational problems, personalistic problems, familial problems, and more often than not, unfortunately, what do we do with our problems? What do we do with them? We ignore them. We ignore them. We ignore them. The says, What's the proper approach for a Yid when you encounter a life problem? Litrach b'nafsheh. Litrach b'nafsheh. Do something. Do something. The something doesn't necessarily mean that you are able to fix the problem. The something doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be able to find the tshuva for the kashev, the answer to the question. But litrach, I say, remember again, what does the Lashon, litrach b'nafsheh, literally mean? Litrach, litrach, tircha, put in the effort to find something to better yourself. Put in the effort somehow, put in the effort to do something to somehow advance your personalistic agenda. It's such a simple phrase. Yimaru says, So you have a problem, so what? It's not so what, you have a problem? Do something to try to fix it. Incredible. Daigah belev ish. So i will say the say, quotes the Pasek. Quotes the From Mishlei. Daigah Balev ish. yashchena. So I'll What does this mean? Literally translated, if there is worry in the heart of a person, yashchena. So, what does yashchena mean? Rabbi Yasi Chad Amar yashchena midaito or yishachena midaito. One opinion says ultimately it means remove it from your mind. Rashi says yishachena midaito, yishachena midaito, remove it, remove it. The Chad Amar yasi yasi la Others say what it means is talk it out with others. Talk it out. I'll say. Again, so such a fantastic idea. Daikah there's something on your mind. So what should you do with it? What should you do with the things that are weighing on your mind? So two opinions. One opinion says, put it out of your mind. Yisachem daito. take it out of your mind, or Yisachem Or talk about it with others. And will say, who's right? Who's right? Who's right? They're both right. Sometimes in life you have different types of issues. There are certain things, and again, this, this, this is the connection to the previous Qimara as well. I have a problem, I have a problem, Daigabalavish is something on my mind, do something about it. Litrach P'nafsheh, what should I do, what should I do? Well, it depends on the problem. Some things, let's say, this is an incredible Yisod, some things have an answer. Right? Some things have a pita ron. you know, they have a solution. So, but sometimes I can't figure it out on my own. So if you can't figure it out on your own, what do you do, what do you do? Go ahead, talk it out with someone else. Talk it out. Figure out a solution. Rabbi will say, there are other things, there are other problems in life for which there is no current solution. What do you do with those problems? What do you do with those problems? Rabbi say, what do you do with them? Sometimes you just have to compartmentalize them, move them to the back of your mind, and move on with your life. That's, that's ultimately, again, remove it from your mind. We say, such an incredible, incredible yisod. So if you bring this whole last unit together, it's a dramatic Moser Haskel. What's the dramatic, right? A person has a problem. A person has a problem. holy, So, You have problems in life, challenges in life. Do something about it. Do something about it. What should you do about it? So, 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 What should you do about it? It depends on the problem. Some things which have a solution. If you can't figure out the solution on your own, speak about it with others. other things where you can't find a solution to your problems we'll say sometimes in life it doesn't mean bearing your problems but sometimes you just have to kind of push things from the frontal lobe to the back right? not even necessarily to the subconscious but sometimes you just have to push things out of your primary consciousness right now I can't do anything about this situation, so I have to stop worrying about it. I have to stop thinking about it. I have to stop obsessing over it. I have to move it to the side because I still have a lot to accomplish in life. Incredible, incredible. So the came. So the says. Remember, we'll say why? Why is it? Why is it that the Mashuach Mochama has to get into a whole discussion? A whole discussion. But I must remember again, just to kind of reorient ourselves. What are you talking about over here? Right, and we're speaking about the Mishnah, the whole speech that the Mashuach would give to the soldiers before they went out to war. So remember, part of the speech was, "All the nations of the world come with their warriors, and who do you come with?" Who do you come with? You come with that Kodesh Baruch who ultimately again who leads you out to battle. So kinuya of of Memgimo, Because we also remember again when they went out to war, when they went out to war, they went out with an aron. With an ark. Now will say to be clear, we're going to discuss this. Which ark did they go out to war with? Not the aron that sat in the Kodesh HaKadoshim. There was another Aron. Now also see, where was the other Aaron from? so the Mefarshim bring down when Moshe Rabbeinu brought down the Luchos from Har Sinai the second set of Luchos right second set of Luchos from Har Sinai Also, remember again that's when they began construction on the Mishkan so where did they put the Luchos from the time that Moshe Rabbeinu brought them down until the time that the Mishkan was completed like where where did where, you put them? right on the bookshelf. where, where where'd you put them? so the, so the Mefarshim answered so they had an ark they had some type of aron. So what they do with that aron? That aron went out to war with the Jewish army. So therefore, again, when when the when the Mashuach Muhammad says that ultimately alichi mochem, so that means the ark with all of the names of HaKadosh Baruch Hu inside of it was going out to our Vahinu Omer, Fayushlaf Osamosha, Alef Lemata, let's have Osam. That's Pinchas, Osam. So Gimmar breaks down the Pasuk. Who's Osam? Elus Sanhedrin. Pinchas Zemashuach Muhammad. Uklei kodesh ze aron veluchos shabu vichatz shabu. So what we'll say? So we're going to discuss this exactly. What does it mean that the luchu What was in this aron that they took out to battle? We're going to discuss this as well. Uklei kodesh. What does the the whole utensils ze aron veluchos shabu? Fine. Vichatzosros satrua. The trumpets elat Shofros. This refers to the shofros. So Tana lo Kingdom Halakh pinchas the mohama. So we'll say we're pausing here for just a moment to speak about a specific situation. Pinchas, right? So it's not for nothing that Pinchas went out to war. Why did Pinchas go to war? Pinchas went out to war to avenge to avenge his maternal grandfather. Who is his maternal grandfather, Mahru so Remember again. Pinchas went out to war against the Midyanim. This is after Pinchas kills. Zimri and Cosby, Zimri and Cosby, he goes out to war with the Jewish army against Midian. So why was this Pinchas' fight? Pinchas goes out to war against Midian in order to avenge his maternal grandfather. Who was his maternal grandfather? Yosef. Yosef. What problem did Yosef have with the Midianim? The Midgunim sold Yosef, well, the brothers sold Yosef to the Midonim. And the Midnaim ultimately sold Yosef to the Mitzrim. Remember the Pinchas M Yosefazi? Is that true? That Pinchas is descendant of Yosef. But the Pasik says that Elazar ben Aaron took from the daughters of Putiel. Right? Remember again, Pinchas is the son of Elazar. So it says that Elazar married from the daughters of Putiel. Who's Putiel? Who's Putiel? My love, the Asim awesome Yisro, Shepitim La Avodos kochavim. They won't we'll say, Is this not ultimately, Isn't Putiel Yisro? So why is Putiel called Yisro? Because Yisro fattened calves for avodos kochavim. So it's, it's interesting. So that was his name, Putiel. That's, that's one of the descriptive names that he was known by. So you see from here that, You see from here that Pinchas is not descendant from Yosef, Pinchas is descendant from Yisro. <coughs> to which the Gemara says, Lo, mi Yosef, shepit peit b'yitz, No, what it means is Putiel is actually Yosef. Putiel is Yosef. Why does it call Yosef Putiel? Shepitpate, bi Yitzro. Literally, Rashi says, Zilzelva Kavash. He was able to degrade and ultimately capture his Yitzhara. Right, remember again. I was referencing back to the story of Yosef and Esau's Potiphar, where in a moment of incredible desire, Yosef was able to go ahead and reign in his Yitzhahara. I, shvatim also. I, but the shvatim were going ahead and the shvatim were going ahead and degrading Pinchas, and they were saying and they were saying. After 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 Pinchas went ahead and killed Zimri who was a Us, he was a tribal prince, so the Shvatim said, what are you doing? What are you doing? You descend, you, you write, you, who grandfather, literally worshiped fattened calves, ultimately to have all the Zari, you're going to come, you have the Chutzpah to come along, and to go ahead and kill a prince of Klad Yisrael? So also see, see, the point, leaving that entire exchange on the side, the point over here is, you see, that Pinchas is not a descendant of Yosef, Pinchas is a descendant of Yisrael, rather what you have to say is as follows, either, Two possibilities: either his maternal grandfather, his maternal grandfather was from Yosef, then his pater- then ultimately his maternal grandmother was from Yisro. Or if his maternal grandmother was from Yosef, his maternal grandfather was from Yisro. In other words, the point the Gemara is making is he was descendant of both. He was descendant of both, both of Yisro and of Yosef. Daikonami dechsed maybe putiel trei mashros will say we learn this from the fact that the name Putiel is written in a longer form with the yud. Could have been written without the Yud. The fact that it's ultimately written, Putil, with the Yud, indicates that it's teaching us two things. Two people, right? Putil means two things. That's reference to the fact that Sorry, that Pinchas descended from Yisro. Second possibility of the Yud, He's someone who went ahead and conquered his Yitzhara. That's a reference to Yosef. Incredible. say Viter, Mishnah. So what was say now? We get into remember we saw on yesterday's death, there are two speeches that were given right two drushes. Drush number one was given where? Was given where? Was given where? At the border of Eretz Yisrael, right as soon as they left. Drush number two at the front of the line, right? front lines, right when they're about to go out to battle. So what does say now? The officer spoke to the nation and they said. Yaleh the Yesh of who is the person? We'll see now we're gonna get into the list of exemptions. Who is the person who built a home and did not dedicate it? Literally did not dedicate it. What's well, so what it means is did not live in it. Did not live in it. Ultimately go back home. Go back home. Next. So we'll say what kind of house? Akara This is whether you built a house for straw, base, habakar, a stable. Beisa, it's in wood storage. Beisa, rows a silo. Or, Echad HaBona, V'Echad HaLakeach, whether you bought it, or whether you built it, whether you purchased it. yorish, whether you inherited it. V'Echad HaShinah, or whether you got it at a gift. So, we'll so interestingly enough, what we see is, it sounds like we're going to talk about this more in the Gemara, but the home need not be a primary domicile. But rather, what we're going to see, is, as, as long as the home could serve as a technical domicile, Ultimately, again, you could return from war because of it. Next. Who is the person, ultimately, again, who planted a vineyard and did not yet get to partake of it? So we'll say, what does this mean? So whether you actually planted a vineyard. Or you planted five fruit trees. Even of five different species. So whether you planted something... Whether you layered something markiv, or whether you grafted something ve'chad whether you bought it or you inherited it or you got it as a gift. Got it as a gift. Okay. Well, again, we're going to define all these different categories in the Gemara. Next, isha, who is the man who betrothed the woman but did not yet live with her? Go home. This is whether you did Aries with a B'Sulloh. Or if you did Aries with an amana. Interesting. interesting. Let's say even if it's a situation of Shomer S'yavah, remember again, what's that case? Right? Reuven is married to Rachel. Reuven dies. Shimon is the surviving brother. So now, so now Rachel is a shomeras yavam to Shimon. So even that type of situation, even we will say, let's say again, Shimon hears that Reuven died in battle, and now again, Shimon himself is at the front. Is at the front. Ultimately, I will say, for all of these circumstances, you go back for war. Go back for more. So the Gemara says, elu say first, first of the intermediate wide lines, I will say Here's what's fascinating. So three categories, Are familiar with this, right? Someone built a home, didn't live in it. Someone went and had planted a vineyard, didn't partake of it. Someone married a woman, didn't live with her. Three exemptions, right? So, so the Shots, we say yesterday's death. What's the dramatic idea? What's the dramatic idea? And I will say, it's not the Pshat, that like you're traveling with the army, like, oh, you know what, I just realized, I betrothed a and I didn't live with her. Right? Or, or I built a house, I didn't live with it. Obviously, this is not like Panam Chadosh was So remember, we saw yesterday, what's the Pshat, what's the Pshat? The Jewish army goes out to war. Every single Jew goes. You go with your brothers. You go with your people. Okay, not everybody goes to fight, but you go. You go. You give chizik to the people who's going along. Again, they will say there's a chizik for Kali Israel when a massive army goes ahead and leaves and goes out to battle. So you go. But now you hear about one of these exemptions. You go back home. What does it mean to be exempted? What does it mean to be exempted? <laughs> what it means to be exempted is you are exempted from fighting but you are not exempted from supporting the war effort. right? So any of these guys, any of these guys, they go back and essentially they become part of the supply chain. right? They become part ultimately again of the, um, what's the word? Support. So yeah, support, the, the support crew, the support for the war. And what do they do? They go ahead, they go ahead and what happens? So they supply food, food, food for the troops, water for the troops, and ultimately make sure that the roads are fit for passage. Okay. So we'll say, now again, there are certain things that if you build, or, or other, certain things which you won't get an exemption for. For example, we'll say like, if you build, if you build ultimately like a gatehouse, a gatehouse, you build the portico, so essentially like, if you ordered a shed from Home Depot, right, and you went ahead, right, and and you put that up in your backyard, right, that is not getting you out of war. That's not getting you out of war. Or a person, remember again, the example of planting, remember, the Torah's example is, who planted a vineyard and did not yet take part to the fruit? So we extended the definition of vineyard. That does not mean vineyard. It could even mean five fruit trees. What if you only planted four fruit trees? Or Chami Shala or five barren trees? We'll say again, ultimately, this would not be a reason, this would not be a license, I'm sorry, not be a license to not go out to war, or not be a license to return from war. Next, Hamach kushasal. What's around the marriage category? If you remarry your divorcee, right? Reuben's married to Rachel. He divorces Rachel. He divorces Rachel. Now he does erusin with Rachel again. He hears the announcement of the coin, He's ready to go back. No, not you. Not you. You don't go back. Ma'asei grushaso. You don't go back. Or the gadol head mamzeres Or I will say the other type of marriage you don't go back for is illegal marriage. Illegal marriage. Like remember again, I will say we pan, we don't pass Rabbi Ya'kiva. And therefore, we pass him Kiddushan Tovsin Mechayve 11. Right? Rabbi Akiva is the opinion who says that in Kiddushan Tovsin Mechayve Lavin, even if the marriage is only punishable by Allah, Rabbi Akiva holds that the marriage does not take effect. We don't pass him that way. But right, the marriage does take effect, even if it's illegal. But Lamaissa, Lamaissa, you do not go back for war from that type of marriage. Rabbi Omer, Bone Al Machono, Rabbi Huda says, well, say, listen to this. What happens if a person had a house? They knocked down their current house. And they're rebuilding the house. Have you heard this says? You don't go back for that either. You don't go back for that either. Right, the Omer So I will say so too. If you went ahead and you built a home out of bricks in the Sharon region there, so I will say tap rashi. The Rashi's on both sides of this staff. There's a left hand column, top left hand column, sharon, Sharon. There's a place this region that is, well, that is the Sharon region. And the earth, the earth is very muddy. And therefore, again, you can't really make proper bricks. The law Kayama I will say, ultimately, again, this would not be this would not be a this would not be a a permanent structure. You couldn't really build an enduring structure. I will say, they had to go ahead and rebuild their homes once every three and a half years or two times in seven years, as the gemara says. So, such a temporary structure would not be a reason to go ahead and go. I will say, we're going to see. There is obviously a svara for all of this. Right? Why are we sending soldiers home from war? Why are we sending soldiers home from war? Because for a soldier to be effective, he has to have singular focus. He cannot be focused on anything other than winning the battle and taking care of the guy next to him. That's all. That's all. He can't be worried about his wife. He can't be worried about his house. He can't be worried about his field. And therefore, again, but we understand some people are preoccupied. If you are preoccupied with something that is going to distract you, we don't want you on the battlefield. We love you. Go back and help, but we don't want you on the battlefield. Do you understand the intro? If you want to be successful in the battles of life, one must have single-mindedness. One must be determined. One must have tunnel vision. One must be able to shut down everything out more often than not the reason we don't accomplish the things we want to accomplish in life is not because we don't care and it's not because we're not trying hard enough it's not because we're not willing to put an effort it's because we lack focus because we lack focus i have diffused attentiveness right i'm paying attention to a million things at once When I mean, you pay attention to a million things at once you get almost nothing done in the correct way. Right? We're all diffused for a variety of different reasons. Right? But Lama Yisrael isn't that incredible? So Meshach Merchama says, if we don't have your full attention, you will not be successful in this battle. We love you. We thank you for showing up. Now go home and what's true on the actual battlefield of war is just as true on the battlefield of everyday life. You wanna be successful at something, whether it's your learning of the death, or whether it's your profession, or whether it's your family time, single-minded focus, single-minded determination, the ability to block everything else out when you're doing the task at hand that's what creates success. The mark goes weiter. The doesn't even come on. We will say now there's a whole other group. So say like, so right, it's a whole other group. Group number one are the soldiers who go to battle. Group number two, soldiers who are exempted from battle go back home and support the war effort. And now there's a third group. we will say this third group does not show up for duty. Right, this third group when the army gathers don't even leave their homes. Who are they? Bona bais This is a guy who built a home and he's living within his home. Right, he built a home, he's living in it. But he's not yet living in it a full year. Right? Or not a caramel or a person planted a vineyard and he's partaking of the fruit in the first year that is permitted to do so. Right? He's in the first year. No se sarusaso. Ultimately, again, a man got married. Man got married and he's during Shana Rishona. In his first year, in his first year of marriage. Hakonis es yevimto, or a man married is yevamash mar, ve noki shana achas. Posic says, he shall be to his home noki. Freed from all responsibilities for a full year. Lebeso, zebeso. Beso, first one who built a home and was <laughs> living in it. Yehia, zekarmo, that refers to his vineyard. Visame, visimachas ishto, zu ishto, that refers to his wife. Asher lokoch, lehabi asivimto, comes to include ultimately Yivam. So It is incredible. So in this third category, these are the people who are in Shana First year of living in a new home. First year, excuse me, of partaking. Of partaking of the vineyard. First year of being married. These individuals, I will say, when the call up comes, they don't even have to leave. They don't have to leave. They remain exactly where they are doing what they're doing. Furthermore, in Misapkin, Mayim Umazon I will say, not only that, but they are not obligated to support the war effort at home. That's what I will say, we're going to discuss this because this is like, why? 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 It's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful, especially the Shana Rishana marriage. It's fantastic. We'll discuss the Svar and the Hashkafa behind each of these categories. Let's go back to it. Turn our on. Vidibra Shotrim. Pasik says the shotrim will speak. So we'll say so you might have thought the shotrim kind of get up and just give their own pep talk. So I'll say there is there is a space, right? There is time. For the Shotrim, who essentially are essentially the commanders, the commanders of the army, to give their own divrei chizak to the troops. Hassidim says, How many are the divra Shotrim? But divra Mashuach Melchama Kassam Medaber. What's when the process of the divra Shotrim, what they're actually conveying are the words of the Mashuach Melchama. The Mashuach Melchama gives a message. He can't, right now everybody can hear him. So he gives it over to the Shotrim, the Shotrim convey it to the people ha ki so will see how does this work. Koin Medaber, so the Kohen Meshach Malchama, he gives the message. The shotrim Mashmiah, kind of like a turgeman, I will say. Right, so Meshach Malchama, he gives the drasha, he gives the drasha, and then the shotrim, their job is to disseminate. Tani chad. So we'll say here's the problem. Tani chad. So we'll say. So I've one. I've right. So one place it says the Cohen speaks and the there, The Sholter spreads the word of the Kohen. Another place it says Cohen medaber v'koyin mashmiyah. The Cohen speaks and the Kohen says it over to the people. And the Tanya idach. Sholter medaber sholter mashmiyah. And third Brisa says we'll say what the Sholter speaks. And the showtir conveys it over to the people. So who's speaking and who's conveying? A Rabbi Hake said it's not a problem. We will say there are different speaking parts in preparing the army for war. ad from the section of the Torah Vinigash and The Kohen speaks, and the Koin is the only one speaking. Siddhang Mara says, Mividabru ad for that next section the Kohen speaks but the Shoter conveys it over we'll say the last part Shoter speaks and the Shoter conveys the message to the people so we'll say so essentially again there are three different speaking parts so to speak in preparing the army for war two of them are done by the Kohen Moshua one of them by the Shoter incredible we'll say let's analyze this a little bit who is the man who built a home who built a new home. So, so we'll say, so when you look at the passage in the Torah, the Torah says, who is the man who built a new home, but has not yet lived in it? So we'll say, built, sounds like what? Bana means what? Build it. You build it. So the Gemara says, How do you know that it even applies to a home that he purchased, a home that he inherited, or a home that he was gifted? So we'll say, the pasuk didn't have to say ish; it could have just said me asher bana bayis. The fact that it added in the word ish ultimately again indicates that it's referring even to other situations other than actual building. Look at Rashi: mi ish ribuyahu to matzah the mechtav mi a shebana mi bana. Rashi also on the left hand side of ten lines up from the bottom: the loke siv bana bais darosh bay bana mikol so, will say, so the idea over here is the extra each teaches me, it's not just someone who built a home, but rather it's someone who has a brand new home in which he has not yet lived. So whether you built it, whether you bought it, whether you inherited it, or you gifted it, fine. In the other bias, the Rabbis base ha teven, base ha bakar, I eis say So bias, bevashnos means what? Primary domicile. So how do I know that this exemption applies not just to a primary domicile, but to other important structures as well, like a house for storing straw, a house for your cattle, a house for your wood, and a house ultimately again for your otsar, a silo, a gathering place, which often means olives. Right? The Gemara says, "A shebana miko makom." We look at our sherbana kind of in its on its own, that you built. So it doesn't have to just refer to a primary domicile, but rather it could refer ultimately again to any structure. So Yachol, so I maybe it even refers to even, I will say, non-domicile-like structures. Like for example, a gatehouse, right? Or a portico. So the Gimar says, Tawud Lomar, Bias. Therefore, no, the Torah says bias. It has to be, it has to have the the structure of a home. So we'll say, by the way, that's going to be the answer. You'll ask yourself, so I don't understand why you are allowed to return from war for a house of straw, right? A house for your cattle, a house for your wood, and a house, because we'll say, technically speaking, the way those were constructed is they could be used as a domicile, right? So contrast that with a gatehouse or a guardhouse that cannot be used as a domicile. That's the Chab. Even though, again, they're not, you're, I'm not using it as a domicile. But because it is domicile worthy, therefore, Halachah Lama so you could go back for more from it. Incredible. So the Gemara goes weiter. The Gemara says, Good. Rabbi Yaakov, Omer, Bayis Kamashmao. He also ultimately again, Bayis means exactly what it sounds like. Right? Ahom, V'lochanach, So let's listen to this. So ultimately again, you did not go ahead and literally inaugurate or consecrate it. Prat l'gazlon. So let say this is very interesting. So remember, the Pesach says, V'lochancho. You did not consecrate it or inaugurate it for yourself. And say, why doesn't it just say You write, It wasn't used the possessive Prat well, this was incredible I say, listen to this imagine for a moment the guy goes out to war right? he's listening to the instructions and the coin says okay who is the person who has a new house that he has not yet lived in and ruve is thinking to himself you know what I just stole this house from Shimon, and I realized I haven't lived in it yet. <laughs> I have lived in it yet. So, I will say, so therefore, again, the Gemara says, what Rabbi Azim Yaakov says, means you have not inaugurated, consecrated, or utilized something that is what? Something that is what? Something that is yours. Prat legazlon. Comes to exclude someone who has stolen something, you can't go back from war for that. I would say, you'll say to yourself one second, if the guy is a thief, if the guy is a thief, Why would you think that he would be heeding the word of the Kohen? Why do you think we're heeding the word of the Kohen? So, so remember, I'm saying this all the time. We're all a shtickle, hypocritical, right? There There are things in my Yiddishkeit that I do very well and things that I flagrantly violate. It's the nature of the human condition to live with some degree of hypocrisy. In any given moment, I'm doing great things in certain areas in life and I'm absolutely in the wrong in other areas. And that's okay. That, that, that's what it means to be a person. Only the shel olam is thoroughly genuine. And only HaKadosh Baruch Hu is thoroughly perfect. At any, at any given moment, I am in a state of inequilibrium. Is that the right word? Inequilibrium? Good in equilibrium it is now right in equilibrium right right so so the it's so incredibly important I could be doing mitzvahs in certain areas and doing terrible areas you could have a guy who's willing to go out to war he wants to be good with the instructions of the coin, but he stole a house it's not a contradiction or our say, or, or it is a contradiction but it's a contradiction that all of us live with all of us live with so the Gemara goes weiter. So we're going to see this later on. This uh, this opinion does not does with Rabbi Yosei Kalidi. Why did Rabbi Yosei Kalidi ha'amar we're going to see later on that after the coin goes through all of the exemptions, another exemption is someone who is soft of heart. We're going to see it's a machlokas. What does it mean to be soft of heart? So the Gemara says, Rabbi Yosei Kalidi says, "Zam misyari amadei me'aberos shaviyado." So we'll say so. Ultimately, again, this is incredible. This is incredible. Rabbi says, "What does it mean soft of heart?" Soft of heart means someone who is afraid of his averus. I'm in battle, right? Or I'm about to go out to battle. Like the Kohen says, if you're soft of heart afraid, don't come out to battle. What does it mean to be, afraid? of Yosef Levy says, of my averus. I know that I have averus that I've done, and I'm really worried that I do not have the requisites, to be able to be successful in battle. So I will say, a great Yosef Levy, the guy who stole the house, the guy who stole the house, should be able to go back from battle not just because he has a house that he didn't live in. Rather, why should he be able to go back? Why? Why? He's a thief. He's a thief. And if you know that you have outstanding avarice, Rabbi Yosef Lili says, don't go out to battle. Don't go out to battle. I will say, we're going we're to talk about You think to yourself, there must have been one small army. <laughs> right? One small army. I will say, we'll talk about it. Igmar says as follows. I feel to Rabbi Yosef Lili that the avad to of and said, what's the case? What's the case? This is incredible. What's the case? The case is where Ruven, who's standing on the battlefront, right? Ruven stole the house from Shimon. So now what happens? He hears the coin says, whoever, whoever has a house and didn't live in it for a year should go back. So Ruven's thinking, "I, that's me, that's me. Now the Yosef Lili says, so now the Gemara says, Hanacho, it has to be your house. It has to be your house. You don't go back for a stolen house. I, the Gemara says, but what about his Averas. He has an, he has an Averis. outstanding Avera. That's also a reason to go back. Tushimura says, no, 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 he doesn't have an outstanding Avera. Why? Because what did he do? He did Shiva and he paid for the house. Right, so Reuven felt bad. He did tshuva. He acknowledged to Shimon. I stole your house. Right? Can I buy it from you? Shimon says yes, and he gave him the money. Well, if that's the case, if that's the case, then Lameisa, what happened now? Reuven, as he stands at the front of the battle, stands the battle line. He's what? He's a proper purchaser. And if he's a proper purchaser and he hasn't yet lived there, then what? He should be able to go. He should be able to go back from war. To which the Gemara says, listen to this. Since you want de Lo." how did he get that home? How did Ruvain get that home? He got the home through theft. He got the home through theft. So the Yomar is saying is, the exemption, the technical exemption of going back for a home that you, did, that you did not yet live in is a home that came into your possession through legal means. Through legal means. The fact that this home initially came into Ruvain's possession through illegal means, i.e. theft, even though he remedied the theft, right? And he paid for the home. So the mice, again, you don't go back for such a home. will say it's a technicality. It's a technicality. But I will say, but what, what a dramatic Moser HaSkil. You know, there are some things in life which turn out fine in the end, right? The result is fine. But the problem is when parts of the process are flawed, those flaws don't go away even if the end turns out as it should. And I will say, you see this kind of all the time in interpersonal relationships. Right? Imagine in a marriage for a moment, this is my the Yom. Well, for some of us, that's my the Yom. But let's say, so, so you, right, you get into an argument with your spouse. You get into an argument with your spouse, and let's say, it's one of those rare moments where you are wrong. You're wrong. Manish, you're wrong. So right, I know, crazy, right? So what do you do, what do you do? You muster up the courage, you own it, you own it. You apologize, right, and you're back on track. Except there's only one little problem. What's the one little problem, right? the Avro, the mistake is still there, right? So now, like, like the process is good. By the time we got to the end, like we finished, right? We finished, and, and the truth is, I'm, I'm not talking about like one of those apologies that you have to give, like, you know the apology that says, I'm sorry if I did something that hurt you, right? You know, I'm sorry if I, what? Well, did you or didn't you, right? I'm sorry if I did something that may, I'm sorry if I did something that you or someone you know may have perceived as a slight to your dignity, right? better off not saying anything, right? Uh, Imagine it's actually one of those genuine apologies where like, I really messed up, I'm really sorry, it was a moment of weakness, it was poor judgment, I love you very much, I'm so sorry, please accept my apology, genuine. And the apology is genuinely accepted. Often, in relationships, the hurt still hovers because you can't forget, right, the affected party, the aggrieved party often can't forget the wrong, I forgive, I forgive, but I can't forget. That's the challenge in relationships. and We have to be so careful with our our interactions because you can always apologize and the apology could be accepted and there is the ability, absolutely to move on. But sometimes when a process begins in a flawed way, even if you're able to turn it around by the time it gets to its conclusion, the flaw remains. The flaw remains. It's like a diamond, right? If you go ahead and you get a diamond and you put it in a setting, the diamond has a flaw. Diamond has a flaw. So what can you do? You go to a good jeweler. What does the jeweler do? The jeweler puts the flaw right by one of the prongs of the setting. So no one is ever going to know. No one's ever going to know. right? The kala's not going to know. No one's ever going to know. right? Except you, the purchaser of the diamond, it's there. It's there. right? It's, it's always there. It's always going to be there. And a lot of times that's how relationships work as well. So the diamond is beautiful. You can build a beautiful relationship. It's gorgeous to look at. But said the flaw still exists. When things start out in a flawed fashion, even if by the end of the process we're good, the flaw hovers. You stole a house. Very good. You did tshuva. It's yours now. Legally, you're fine. You're fine. But lamais again, it started out in the wrong way. And the problem with starting out in the wrong way is often that flaw does not go. It's such an incredible Moser for how we live and certainly how we create our relations. Let's go weiter. All right, you really have to go weiter. Says the Gimara, not nata karen. Who is the person who planted a vineyard? Turn around, share Asher nata. I don't know that the exemption is for a person who actually went ahead and planted a vineyard. So How do I know that it even applies to someone who purchased, who inherited, or got it as a gift? So once again, it's the same drasha, ish. Ish is always extra over here. So from the extra ish, what we're constantly learning are these, are these additional categories. I don't know a vineyard. How do I know that it even applies to five different types of trees, right? Five different types of fruit trees. Even different species. The same for as you plant. It doesn't have to be an actual vineyard, but rather it's at least five fruit trees that creates a halachic vineyard as well. So maybe it even applies to four fruit trees, or for that matter, five barren trees. Five non-fruit producing trees. So the Lord says Tamal Omer Kerem. What we'll say, just like that Kerem ultimately is something that is significant. So it has a minimum of five fruit bearing trees, and it can't be any bearing trees. Rabbi Lozben Yaakov Omer Kerem Kimashmo. Rabbi Lozben Yaakov disagrees. He says Kerem means Kerem. Kerem means Kerem, right? What is a vineyard? What, is, what do you go back for, from war for a vineyard? A vineyard. So I will say. So remember again, Rabbi Lozben It could have said lochilal. Literally, again, you did not enjoy it. You did not enjoy it, knows you, right? You did not enjoy it. Why does he have a low, possessive prat le mavrich u le That comes to us. Good, I will say someone who layers, layers or grafts. I have a hard we learned in the Mishnah, echer hanotea, the echad mavrich the echad amarkev. But I will say that Allah so of we learned in the Mishnah that whether you plant or whether you layer or whether you graft. Ultimately, again, that is a reason to go to go back from battle. So, I can't, this is what we just said before. it's not a contradiction. Kan bahakavas iser, kan bahakavas said this is fascinating. Remember again, there are different forms of grafting. There is legal grafting and illegal grafting. What's an example of illegal grafting? Grafting two different species together. What's an example of legal grafting? Grafting the same species together. So, if you did illegal grafting, you cannot go back. From war for that, the same way that what? If you're in an illegal marriage, you cannot, <coughs> excuse me, go back to war from that. But if you did legal grafting, he just is is that legal grafting has the status of actual planting, and therefore, so you could go back to war from that. Incredible. We'll say, what's the case of legal grafting? What's the case? So, Ilema, So, we'll say, if you say we're talking about grafting a young sapling with another young sapling, so Mishum Yaldarishona. Then I, say, I should be able to go back, forget about the grafting. I have a young sapling, right, which I have not yet partaken of. Rather, it has to be Elda Yelda Bezekina. Rather, I say, what does it have to be? It has to be that you're grafting a young sapling with an older one. I have already bottle But I will say, if you go ahead, what we learned, that if you graft, if you graft a young sapling, right, with, with an older one, ultimately, again, the young one is bottled to the older one. Vein bad and I will say, the new growth would not be subject to our law. So if that's the case, if you're grafting a young sapling with an older sapling, you shouldn't be able to come back from war for that, because that would have the status of a mature tree already. What's the case? The case ultimately is where you're grafting a young sapling onto a young sapling. This And we're talking about a case where the first tree that you planted was not planted for its fruit. Rather, it was planted to serve as a border, right? Either as a siag, either like as a fence, like a property fence, or koro, so you're going to use it for wood later on. So therefore again, it did not really have the status ultimately again of a fruit tree. Take a look at Rashi. Rashi's on the right hand side, almost right across, cross a couple lines down. You had a breach in the fence of your field. And what happens you originally planted this older tree or this first tree in order to go ahead and serve as a fence. Therefore you're grafting the younger sapling onto it and saw the identity of the new growth is identified by the new sapling and therefore it's new growth and you can go back for war from that. This is arla. If you planted a shira say not for tree purposes or fruit purposes, but rather again, either for wood purposes or ultimately to serve as a fence, it is pata from Arla. So i say, why is it that when you graft a young tree onto an older tree, so the young tree is bottled on the older tree? And why is it ultimately, again, if you graft the young tree onto the young tree, it's not bottled. Hasam in the case of the zikeno, We'll say, by the zikina, if you change your mind about it, ultimately, again, it doesn't change identity. But we'll say in this case over here, where the first young sapling was planted for a fence or for wood, if you change your mind about its identity and now want to utilize it as a fruit tree, ultimately again, it regains its identity as a fruit tree and will be subject ultimately again to our lamb. <coughs> it's no different than produce that, grow, that grew on its own, or that grew on its own. It's none. ultimately again, if Allah, it grew on its own, ultimately it would be subject to Allah. So we'll have to stop over here. Um, all right, we're fine. We're fine. We're going we're gonna to be all right. So we'll stop over. We'll pick up over here tomorrow. Again, I'm leaving you off right in the middle of the subject, still of the Kerem. We'll delve more into that tomorrow, get into the exemptions, and then, of course, get into the exemptions ultimately again of marriage as well. We'll say tremendous stuff. Shkoyach.